Hello and welcome to another episode of the Daily Remedy Podcast. Today we're here with Dr. Rottenstein, a primary care physician, healthcare leader, and researcher whose work focuses on care delivery innovation, physician well-being, specifically burnout and depression, and EHR use. Her publications have been featured in the Journal of American Medical Association, Journal of Internal Medicine, and the New England Journal of Medicine. She's an instructor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and associate faculty at Ariadne Labs. So with that, I'd like to welcome Dr. Rottenstein. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. I'm excited to be here and looking forward to our conversation. I think it's great um, the types of issues that you're highlighting that are really uh, affecting American medicine today. Well, thank you for mentioning that. And we would like to thank you in kind for raising issues on physician burnout and depression and how that correlates to overall well-being. So before we jump into some of the studies and issues at hand, can you provide a general understanding of physician burnout and depression as you see it? Sure. So, so I would say this is a spectrum of issues. And the, it's something important to understand as you're discussing these issues is that uh, depression is a clinical diagnosis. Um, and, and that's an important distinction to make because uh, on the other hand, burnout is a work-related phenomenon. And it was first described by Christina Maslach specifically for individuals who are in people-facing professions. And it's characterized by emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and a decreased sense of personal accomplishment. And while um, many of the contributors to burnout and depressive symptoms are similar, as, as I showed in a general of Journal Internal Medicine article in 2020, uh, the two concepts are not the same. That being said, that they are both really important to think about as we think about the physician workforce and the healthcare workforce more broadly um, in the current healthcare context. So we know that anywhere from, uh, depending on the study, zero to 80% of physicians experience burnout. And this is something that um, my co-authors and I showed in the 2018 JAM article. And so just, just stopping to think about that because you can gloss over the numbers. So some studies suggest that four out of every five doctors might be experiencing burnout. Um, and then on the other hand, we, we know that depressive symptoms are more common in the healthcare population than in the general population. Um, so, so we showed in a 2016 JAMA article that about a quarter of medical students had depressive symptoms and only about a tenth um, that a small percentage were seeking treatment and about a 10th had suicidal ideation. So again, time, time to pause and, and really think through those numbers. Um, and, and similar numbers in the healthcare workforce, of course, this is all pre-pandemic. Um, and those are higher statistics than in the general population. Yeah, certainly, thank you for sharing those numbers with us. You highlighted two main components of depression, specifically as a clinical issue and burnout as what you describe a work-related phenomenon, but they relate in certain ways. Can we understand it as almost an exacerbating factor, meaning for somebody to have burnout, they must already have depression or are they mutually exclusive? Talk to us a little bit about the presentation of those symptoms. So, so I would caution us in saying, I, I think it's certainly not the case that for somebody to have burnout, they need to have uh, depressive symptoms. Um, and um, I, I would say, and they're certainly also not mutually exclusive, I would say it's more like uh, a spectrum or, or an overlap. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is very possible for somebody to have both burnout and depressive symptoms. It's possible for somebody to have um, burnout symptoms and not necessarily 
um, have a clinical, meet the clinical criteria for a, a diagnosis of depression. Um, and then at, at the same time, it's, um, it's possible for somebody to have depressive symptoms that are not related to the workplace. And so that was probably less straightforward than, than one would hope for, but, but it really is, it's, it's two distinct but related phenomena. And, um, and, and I think it's hard to make any specific statements about you must have one versus the other at any specific time. Is a lot of the misunderstanding and conflating these conditions, one, a clinical condition and another work-related phenomenon, in how we study it. And I mentioned that because in your 2018 study titled Prevalence of Physician Burnout Among Physicians, one of the things you mentioned is that there's market variation in burnout definitions and how it's actually being studied. So is the method by which we study physician burnout leading to different understandings? It's a very good point. And in um, what I'll, so I, the answer is yes. And what I'll contrast it with is, um, there are standardized ways of measuring depressive symptoms. And we use those in clinical practice and, 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 you know, this as, as a physician yourself, in contrast, there are many different ways, um, to measure burnout and, um, studies use different timeframes. They use the most commonly used, uh, methodology is the mass like burnout and just inventory. But as you can see in our 2018 study, even within that there's market variation in terms of, um, the versions of the mass like burnout inventory use some people shorten it. Some people use all of the three scales. Um, some people use two of the scales. And so that does make it really hard to have a standardized definition um, of, of burnout. Now, that being said, um, sort of stepping back from the methodologic points, they're important, but, but I, when, when you step back, you, you realize that we have a problem. Um, and, and that's probably the most important piece of this. Um, and one of the things that inspired my work actually was, was being in business school. And um, there, are, there are people who say that medicine should be less like a business. But I will say that um, being in business school and being surrounded by people who were training to be future health, uh, future executives in, in American business, who were learning about how to motivate others. They were learning about how to keep a workforce happy, how to motivate a workforce. Um, ended up being a contrast to me uh, from my clinical work where I saw my, my uh, fellow students at the time struggling with our system and, and with depressive symptoms. I saw residents struggling. I, I, I saw attending struggling. And I realized that it was just a very different approach than and, um, than business leaders were taking who are seeking to, to maximize the health of their workforce. And so stepping back, it, it's, it's really, certainly we need, to, um, we need to work on how we define these issues, but also we, we need to take the broader picture of, of keeping our workforce healthy and happy. Certainly, when you talk about stepping back and identifying the problem itself, are you looking at it from what is commonly known in business nomenclature as a systemic issue, meaning the systems of interactions within healthcare help to then create the problem? Or am I misunderstanding how you're trying to characterize it? What I would say is that it, it, it is probably less important um, whether 
we we have 71.7% burnout among our yeah. physicians or 80.5% or burnout. Um, I, I focus a lot on measurement. This is uh, an area of great interest to me. And yet, as, as somebody who also works as a healthcare leader and administrator, we know the problem is there. And so really the next frontier is, um, is not so much figuring out that, that small difference between those numbers and, and figuring out what are we going to do about this and what are, what are the contributors in our, our workplace on a daily basis that, that actually lead to these numbers that are higher than we would like. Yeah, certainly it's an issue that needs to be resolved and resolved quickly. Can we solve it? with the way we currently operate in healthcare, meaning, as Einstein said, you cannot solve a problem with the same thinking that created the problem. So do we need mm -hmm. certain novel approaches to healthcare? And what would you define as maybe a inflection point and in what we could change that would create the maximum improvement in burnout? And it's a big question. It is a big question. It, it, it's the right question and, and nobody has answered it. Mm -hmm. What I will say is that studies have shown that system-based interventions um, mm -hmm. are known to be more effective at alleviating burnout than individual interventions. And so what that means is that certainly there is a place for um, individuals to um, enhance their um, interact, individual interactions with the system. And certainly all of us could benefit from um, you know, taking some time to meditate, et cetera. But that is not what's going to solve um, issues of burnout in our current healthcare system. What will is, is rethinking the way that um, our, our days are structured, the ways, you, you know, you and I are our primary care physicians, the, the frequency with which we see patients, the extent to which we feel like we can actually solve our patients' problems which many times um, are beyond, um, beyond problems that um, can be addressed in a single visit or have to do with a single diagnosis. They have to do it with the electronic medical record, which, which I have studied um, and, and which we know that there is marked variation in the total and after hours time in which different specialties spend on the electronic health records, variation in how many messages different specialists get versus primary care physicians. And so it's really tackling those sorts of issues for us to move forward. And what I would highlight is that this is not a nice to have for healthcare. Mm. Studies have shown that um, burnout is associated with lower quality of care, safety issues, decreased patient satisfaction. And, and so um, this is really about delivering high quality healthcare, just like the patient safety movement was and, and the quality movement was some years ago. With those two movements, there was an initial resistance in that a lot of the old guard felt that they were not meaningful because there was no traditionally hard metric or clinical outcome. But you have shown in some of your studies how these subjective parameters, burnout, quality of life, time spent in front of an EHR affect overall care. Can you talk a little bit about how you're structuring those relationships so people can understand, yes, there is a relationship between these perceived subjective metrics and clinical outcomes? This is really the next frontier in addition to, to finding solutions. And, and Christine Sinsky, Christine Castle, and I just wrote a JAMA piece, um, which, which I'll, I'll, I'll link you to, um, talking about this exact issue. So burnout is certainly the end point, but it is a big end point. Um, and 
many of the interventions that we put into place may be hard to link to burnout changes in the very short term, and also depending on how often you're measuring burnout. And so what we propose is, is exactly what you were alluding to, is more intermediate metrics for us to think about how our interventions are working. So when you put a particular intervention into place, are people spending less time on the EHR? Is there less turnover? Is there less reduction in clinical hours, which we know we, we know that burnout has associations with reductions in clinical effort. Even if somebody doesn't leave the workforce completely, they say, I can't do this many sessions realistically, let me cut down. And again, that has implications for care availability. So I think you're alluding exactly to, um, to the next frontier. Certainly burnout has, has been measured extensively. Um, and, and so in some ways, it, it's a movement that's that's ripe for the kind of measurement that maybe wasn't quite ready at, at the beginning of the movements that I alluded to. But I still think that there is room to, to think creatively about how we show the impact of our interventions, even separately from or, or in addition to uh, core burnout metrics. I like the way you phrased it, because you talk about measure the impact of interventions through intermediate metrics. And I think that's very important for the audience to understand because healthcare is a system, but in many ways, however much researched and studied it is, it still is in many ways a black box. And these intermediate metrics can help elucidate the fundamental interactions that may appear down the road. Can you perhaps talk more about intermediate metrics as you understand it and where and how we can study them? They're all over our system and, and that's that's what's great. And, and that contrast to, and again, I, I am a big proponent of, of measuring burnout. It's extremely important, but um, this, many burnout instruments, there are shorter burnout instruments that, that you can um, that you can measure more frequently, but, but there's a certain fatigue that's associated with repeated measurement. And so some of the intermediate metrics that my co-authors and I suggest are ones that are, are sort of easy to extract from daily practice and ideally wouldn't actually take as much time um, from the physician in the process of measuring. So again, time spent on the electronic health record, the number of messages sent back and forth to resolve a clinical issue, that doesn't even have to be with patients. We all know that we send many messages to our staff to figure things out. Um, they, they might be perceptions of the culture of an organization, because if you put together a, a logic model of how this would work, you think about um, the culture of an organization shaping your experience and then shaping your, your burnout. Um, and then metrics about the workforce again, um, are people cutting back on hours? Um, how often are they turning over? Would they recommend working in a certain workplace to a friend? And then there's some core metrics that um, really key players have done a lot of work on having to do um, with team environments. So um, to what extent do different members of the healthcare team work together to, to deliver care, to address both medical issues and then issues that may be um, in addition to the scope of their daily practice. Those are the kind of metrics uh, that we should be looking at um, and, and using as endpoints um, or at least surrogate endpoints uh, for our interventions to alleviate burnout. And, and certainly downstream, we expect that burnout will be the big metric that we, um, that we affect, but it may not be right away that we are moving that metric. 
That's a very fascinating statement. And I almost want to contrast it with patient satisfaction. So take, for example, and moving into the realm of the speculative right now, take, for example, 20, 30 years down the road, and we have a firm understanding of physician burnout. It's well accepted in all circles, both academic and in private practice, urban and rural. Do you envision a time in which physician burnout would cross-correlate with patient satisfaction almost as part of the financial structure for healthcare systems? It should. Um, yeah. and, 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 and that would be the future because again, this is about our workforce. This is about our, our assets and, yeah. and not to sound too businessy, but maybe to sound too businessy. Our, yeah. our, our, our doctors, our nurses, our, our healthcare workforce, um, is our biggest asset. And we've seen this in spades during the pandemic, both in terms of what, um, our healthcare workforce has sacrificed. And then in terms of the increased turnover we've seen. So um, it, it should be a metric that is uh, reported out to healthcare leaders, to boards, and, and really taken seriously um, in the way that uh, we increasingly have laser focus on issues like patient satisfaction and, and over time have developed both laser focus and really good results in terms of mortality, safety, quality, et cetera. You mentioned a lot about your business experience and the perspective that it gave you. Did that help lead you down the path of physician burnout or were you always passionate about physician burnout and the business education helped to kind of bring in that new perspective? It's a good question. Um, I think many of us see our colleagues struggle. And so I certainly was interested from that perspective. Um, but I think this, and, and there was a really interesting science behind this, but I do think that my business education gave me a different lens on this, um, on this issue. Again, seeing it as investing in our assets, in our, in our most important asset, our workforce. And, and seeing it from that lens, I think has helped me um, led my exploration in, in terms of what the interventions might be, how we communicate issues of burnout to important stakeholders, and then how we realistically think about the results we can achieve in this realm. Um, and, but, but it's nice to blend the two because yeah. there, there is an important science here that is very much based in medicine, and yet being able to think about um, clinical systems and the way they interplay with the physician experience just brings a different lens. Yeah, and certainly that shows in the quality of research that you're providing, specifically when you're looking at primary care transitions and the fundamental interactions that take place. For physician burnout to reach that stage where it's recognized universally, does it need to be a clinical condition? Does it need to be diagnosable? And the reason why I mention that is because we often perceive a diagnosis different than we perceive a perception, a subjective parameter. Do you believe that that codification is needed? I actually think it's important for it not to be the case. Um, wow. And the reason I say that is because um, for better or for worse, there is often, um, and, and, and mostly for worse, there is often stigma associated with diagnoses. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the reasons we think that there was suboptimal seeking of care in our 26 JAMA us. Uh, 2016 JAMA study where 25% of medical students were reporting depressive symptoms and yet a small percentage were seeking care. 
we know that many members of the healthcare workforce will experience burnout at one time or another. And whether or not it is a formal diagnosis, it is affecting outcomes in our healthcare system. And is, so it's worth paying attention to. Um, and, and in some ways, um, it, it may be a little bit easier to um, have people come forth and talk about their experiences and talk about how to improve the system if, it, if it's not labeled as a diagnosis at this point in time. And, and that's not getting into the specifics of we, if it were to be a diagnosis, we certainly would have to decide, uh, agree yeah. on, um, on, on its uh, components and exactly how we measure it. Yeah, that, that's a whole can of worms in and of itself. Uh, you talk a lot about the stigma in seeking help. And you've mentioned that a few times. I want to jump into that a little bit more. A lot of times people have trouble understanding stigma if it's not their burden to bear. From your perspective, what does stigma mean to you? And how do you help people who may not get it understand stigma? It, it's, it's a great question. And, and I, I'm not sure I'll all answer it directly. But I, but I think what I will say is that... Um, there, there are individuals who may worry about the consequences of coming forth with, with what they're feeling or what they're experiencing. And that's for a variety of reasons. And, and um, I, I will strongly say that I wish this wasn't the case. So I am not in any yeah. way endorsing um, uh, the, the systems that lead to stigma. They may be worried about how their colleagues will perceive them. They may yeah. be worried how the system will perceive them. There are concerns about medical boards and, and um, how they may react to diagnoses. And so I think um, there are just a variety of, um, of players and influences in uh, our society as a whole that limit help seeking it and make people hesitant, both to seek help, but oftentimes to acknowledge that an issue might exist. Is this something that can be solved within each system or does there need to be a formal resource or some centralized source? You talk about how medical licensing boards would perceive this or how organizations would perceive this, but is there almost a third party, if you will, that medical students, residents and physicians can go to that you feel would be an appropriate resource? It's a great question, and I am not thinking of the name off the top of my head, but I can send it to you. And I do know of, of resources and hotlines uh, that people can call into, in addition to the traditional ones, if somebody is having sort of a severe crisis and, and, and needs to talk to a Samaritan. But there are specific ones for, for healthcare professionals who, who may want to seek external um, yeah. just somebody external to talk to. And then every organization has ombuds people. Um, Many organizations around the country have put into place confidential mental health resources. And so that has been a really good outcome of the increased attention um, is, is that organizations are increasingly paying attention to this issue and are, are trying to put into place confidential resources towards this end. No, I think that's a very important point to reiterate that most healthcare systems have confidential resources, ombudsmen or independent individuals within an organization who would provide confidential services for those who need that. And I am thank you for bringing that up. And, you know, I, I want to leave you with one question and it's a forward seeking question. So we're just a few days out of 2022 and hopefully uh, at the tail end of the pandemic, hopefully, uh, what is the future of physician burnout in 2022. 
what are the prominent research studies going on right now and prominent publications either coming from you or from other thought leaders in this space that are really help advance physician burnout for 2022? There are a few key areas that um, are of interest to the field and then there are some that are of particular interest to me. Uh, I think our field in 2022 really has to grapple with how we emerge from the pandemic, assuming we are on the tail end. You never know yeah. these days, right? <laughs> um, the, the pandemic has really changed our workforce. It has changed what our workforce has seen, how they experience their workplace, their priorities. And so the research um, in 2022 is going to have to focus on, on how we reinvigorate our workforce and, and make them feel comfortable in the workplace after what they have experienced. We have also seen exacerbations of inequities during the pandemic across racial, ethnic lines. And then one of the areas of, of my focus is gender inequities in the workplace. Um, so I was lucky to be part of a, a study with some colleagues showing really different work-life conflict experiences um, among women faculty during the pandemic, and then a greater um, increase in mental health symptoms uh, among women faculty during the pandemic. And, and that's going to be an important area of focus is for those individuals, how do their career trajectories and their experiences of the workplace um, change after what they have experienced during the pandemic? And then I, I think the pandemic has made us in some ways more creative by necessity. And so perhaps it's, it's a good time to continue the ongoing work of how do we solve the systems issues that are, are contributing to burnout? That, that's what I am focused on in 2022. And how do we continue uh, to show that this issue is a healthcare business imperative, both for, uh, first of all, the good of our patients, and then um, for, for the health of our healthcare systems? No, certainly. I think that you are one of the prominent physicians in this space. Thank you so much for what you're doing. I would encourage the audience to look up Dr. Rottenstein, look up her work. It's done much to advance the field of physician burnout. And so for that, thank you for your time and thank you for your work. Thank you so much for having me today. Okay, take care.